0: Hello, I'm Kate Chauvierich, and welcome to the SEDEP podcast. Based in France and operating internationally, we are a global executive education club where minds meet, grow, and succeed together. SEDEP is a collaborative learning community of leading international organizations from diverse and non-competitive industries. Rooted in the real world and driven by the real-life challenges of our community, we co-create, leadership development programs with innovative, highly relevant, and actionable learning. Our mission is to work together to develop leaders and create purpose-driven, agile, and sustainable organizations. In an ever-changing and uncertain world, we choose to work together to make the world a better place for us all. This is the fifth episode in a series of six podcasts with Jules Goddard, set at faculty, philosopher, author and fellow of the Centre for Management and Development at London Business School. Jules has also recently been appointed to the Council of the Royal Institute of Philosophy. In this podcast series, we examine six different philosophical experiments with managerial practice and ultimately address the question of why should we bring philosophical experimentation into the heart of business and what can we learn? In this episode, we'll explore experimenting with action learning, and in particular, Jules will present the philosophical case for greater experimentation in business. So welcome once again to the SEDEP Podcast Rules. Similar to our previous episodes, what illuminating story do you have for us by way of introduction to today's theme?
1: Thank you, Kate. Well, this is the story of Catherine Blackham, founder and managing director of Versa, a digital agency in Melbourne, Australia. In 2018, she decided to close the agency between Tuesday evening and Thursday morning. Everyone would have Wednesday off. No emails, no calls, no meetings, whether virtual or otherwise. And within a year, profits had grown threefold. Revenues were 35% higher. Staff were happier and more productive. This was just before COVID struck. But similar lessons, I think, have been learned across the world under lockdown. Many of us are finding that a rather different mix of home and office working is more productive and more fulfilling.
0: So what lessons can we learn from this success story? I mean, what does it tell us about experimenting in business?
1: Well, I think we have so much still to discover about human nature, as well as the more practical issues of employee engagement and productivity. After all, we're fallible creatures. We operate with assumptions, many of which are false. Rather like John Wanamaker, who said famously, half of my advertising budget is wasted. The trouble is, I don't know which half. All of us in business could equally as well say, half of the assumptions underpinning our strategic plan are falsehoods. But sadly, we don't know which half. Our business plans, after all, are based on many, many things what customers will buy, how their tastes are changing, what strategies our competitors are pursuing, what creates an engaged workforce, and in particular, how the future will play out. But without experimentation, we'll never know which of our beliefs make sense and which are nonsense.
0: So what gets in the way of finding out where the truth lies?
1: Well, I think there are two problems in particular that arise. First, it's not easy From within an organization to find the right moment or the right forum in which to challenge some of the most deeply held beliefs. It can come across as disloyal or arrogant. You're needlessly rocking the boat. And second, it's personally quite risky to go against the group norms. And in a risk averse culture, which most organizations are today, I think, your reputation may be at risk. In a traditional company, After all, we are only as strong as our standing in the eyes of others.
0: So how widespread or accepted is experimentation in business? I mean, how important is it?
1: Well, I think in the digital world of companies like Amazon, Google and Booking.com, for example, experimentation is the norm, mainly because it's cheap and easy. Amazon, after all, is running over 10,000 paired comparison tests on its website around the world at any one time. Many of these tests, of course, produce no value at all and therefore add substantially to Amazon's cost base. But just occasionally, they bump into a discovery worth tens of millions of euros. It's in the physical world where experimentation is more costly, risky and difficult. But I think the logic remains the same.
0: Have you got an example of uh, experimentation in the non-digital world?
1: In the pharmaceutical industry, which, of course, practices experimentation rigorously on its drugs, there is a movement to apply the same logic to testing its managerial practices. Working with Roche over many years, I remember a particularly brilliant and insightful experiment. Some of their scientists had run into a particularly tricky problem. How should it be resolved? The team we were working with suggested sending an email to all 3,800 scientists in Roche around the world to sound out their thoughts. But one member of the team suggested simply posting the problem on the internet and seeing whether anyone in the outside world had any ideas. The idea, of course, was greeted with laughter, as though it was absurd to expect a non-employee of Roche coming to the rescue of Roche itself. But why not give the idea a try? And they did. They used a company called InnoCentive to share the problem with a huge community of problem solvers out there in the world. And lo and behold, Roche received over 100 ideas from InnoCentive, one of which effectively solved the problem. But they received no more than 20 ideas from their own scientists, all of them useful, of course, but not as helpful as the InnoCentive breakthrough. The experiment changed minds in Roche.
0: So in practical terms, how can we build on this idea?
1: Well, perhaps our plans should consist not so much of targets based on a questionable view of the future, but on assumptions. The discussion would then not be about whether the objectives are achievable, but more important, whether the assumptions are true. For those assumptions that are particularly important for the achievement of the plan but look more like acts of faith, experimentation would be a good investment. Profit, after all, is a return on truth rather than a return on effort or alignment or goodwill. Poor implementation of a true picture of the market will always outperform a perfect implementation of a false model. In fact, the better we execute a bad idea, the worse the result. So experimentation is, in a sense, the royal road. It's certainly the scientific approach to discovery. Yet many firms would seem to prefer to save on the cost of experimentation than to learn where they are going wrong.
0: So what can we conclude from this episode? Um, What are the key takeaways?
1: Well, I would argue that most organisations, particularly as they get large, enclose themselves in an echo chamber of cliches and conventional wisdom. After all, it takes courage to be open to what the world has to teach us. The mind, I think, is better instructed by nature than by its own intuition. Experience is the great teacher and instructor of mankind, and the skill to live in such a way that experience is not only gathered but also paid attention to. There is no shortcut to wisdom. It is earned by the diversity of experience. And the more experience we have and the more diversities, the greater the lessons that will fill the mind. I would say that experimentation is the artificial manufacturing of extraordinary experience without having to travel very far.
0: And where does philosophy come in?
1: Well, I think pragmatism is helpful here. This is the belief that we act our way into more effective ways of thinking than think our way into more effective ways of acting or behaving. Planning tends to start with objectives to be reached and therefore routes to be followed, whereas experimentation typically starts with questions to be answered and therefore tests to be conducted. I think purpose is the meaning that we give to our life only in retrospect. We need to have lived to discover what purpose life can and should serve. In other words, we discover what matters to us and what gives meaning to our life by acting on the world and noticing how it responds. We arrive at our thoughts by trying to solve the mundane problems that come our way. Some of our initiatives work, others don't. Some provide answers to our questions, others don't. Gradually, we build up a picture of the world. All our discoveries, after all, began life as guesses, conjectures, something worth trying out. We live and we learn, after all and everything starts with action. In other words, don't think too much. Focus on doing more things, trying out more stuff, giving yourself a much greater chance to simply get lucky, to bump into a discovery, to make a breakthrough, and to find a winning strategy. This is the precious art of experimentation.
0: Thank you, Jules. This is the end of today's episode, and we look forward to next time where we will be discussing ways of experimenting with entrepreneurship. Jules is the co-director of SEDEP's Management and Philosophy program, which explores philosophical experimentations in managerial practice and how to use philosophical analysis to push the limits of contemporary management. You can find more information about this program on the SEDEP website, www.sedep.fr. And if you'd like to read more about the themes raised in this podcast, Jules has recently launched a new book called Business Experimentation, a practical guide for driving innovation and performance in your business, which is available online and in all good bookstores. Thanks again, Jules, and until next time.